0: This week on the Love Good Podcast, we're diving into our third principle in the art of being human, which is friendship. How's everybody doing out there? My name is Jimmy Mitchell, and today we are basically continuing where we left off last week, which is super exciting. Uh, As many of you know, I've released a book. It's called Let Beauty Speak, The Art of Being Human in a Culture of Noise. And over these many weeks, this season seven of the Love Good Podcast, we're diving into these 10 principles which are all meant to help us bring beauty to the forefront of our lives and ultimately empower us to be apostles in this post-Christian culture, this culture of noise in which we find ourselves. Now, you might wonder, why does beauty matter? Who, who really cares about this often forgotten transcendental of beauty? Well, go back and listen to a few episodes ago, and I'll read the introduction to the book, Um, that actually explains the importance and the power of beauty. But now we're diving into each of these principles, knowing that each of them bring forth something truly captivating, something truly beautiful, and something truly needed in our world today, which is, of course, so dark and so despairing, because there just aren't enough saints living among us. That's ultimately what Let Beauty Speak and these 10 principles are all about, is transforming all of us into modern-day saints, so that the beauty of holiness would shine and give people hope and ultimately point them back to God himself. By the way, for those of you who have not yet subscribed as a Love Good patron, you really need to do so. Go to lovegoodacademy.com. It's the brand new website. It's totally launched. It's totally beautiful. And as soon as you subscribe, we'll not only drop a copy of my book in the mail to you, you'll also get an amazing Love Good exclusive patron t-shirt. And then on top of that, you'll get immediate access to Love Good Academy and this introductory course, which is titled after the book, Let Beauty Speak, uh, which is a series of uh, videos and uh, amazing resources that will allow you to not only read this book, you know, in community, let's say as a small group, but to also almost turn it into a retreat so that you're not just reading it in isolation or reading it sort of as an academic exercise or a merely intellectual exercise, but allowing it to really hit your heart. Uh, allowing it to really penetrate your soul so that this experience of journeying through these 10 principles, again, can be a, a bit more of a retreat, something that really impacts you. And uh, I would say in a perfect world would be an opportunity to gather with family or friends and and to really journey through these principles together. So again, you got to subscribe as a patron at lovegoodacademy.com. This platform is so beautiful This book uh, I'm very, very proud of and just so grateful to all of you who have been, of course, a huge support and encouragement to me every step of the way. So in a moment, I'll be right back as we dive into our third principle here in the art of being human, friendship. You know, if you do a really quick internet search of the word friend, frankly, one of the first and most frequent things that pops up uh, is endless references to, of course, the late 90s, maybe mid-90s sitcom, Friends, of course, starring Jennifer Aniston and Matthew Perry and others. And, you know, to put it bluntly, that's kind of a sad uh, face for friendship. That's a sad sort of first impression of what that word really means. If that's what the world looks to... As a model for friendship, we are in trouble. And, you know, in my own life, I got to look back at middle school and high school. My understanding of friendship was was pretty shallow. I mean, these were really good people that I went to school with and that I knew through church. And, and frankly, you know, many of them um, to this day, you know, I, I love and I admire and I respect. But those friendships, they weren't very intentional. You know, if if anything, they were circumstantial. They were certainly pleasurable and, and enjoyable. I certainly was intentional with with people I wanted to be around, that I enjoyed being around. Um, but it wasn't until I was in college that I really began to understand the highest form of friendship, which is friendship of excellence, friendship of virtue. And so I, I opened up this chapter in Let Beauty Speak, this chapter on friendship, with a story about being on a pilgrimage with three of my closest friends. And while there were all kinds of wild adventures, you know, barely missed trains, uh, touching the Pope— all kinds of really cool and crazy stuff. One of the most surreal memories was hanging out with the living niece and several other relatives of Blessed Pier Giorgio Frasati, who's of course a, a great saint, a great blessed at this point, anyways. Someone that I look up to greatly. For those who don't know who Pier Giorgio Frasati was, he was an, an avid hiker, a friend of the poor, a devout Catholic, who lived in Turin, Italy, uh, at the very beginning of the 20th century. He died in 1925. Uh, you know, it was about sixty-five years later that Pope Saint John Paul II beatified him. So, you know, he hasn't yet been canonized as Saint. He's just one step away. But the point is, he's he's one of my heroes, and one of the things that he did so well over the course of his short twenty-four years of life was he had a, a great apostolate of friendship. He knew how to reach out to people. He knew how to win people over. He's what you would call affable. Okay, and so I'm there and. Palone Italy and just outside of Turin Italy with three of my closest friends this is several years ago and we decided to retrace the steps of blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati as we understood him um, to where he would go to daily mass and there's these stories of Pier Giorgio waking up early and sort of slipping out of the house almost like r- r- running you know uh, away or or escaping I should say uh, his parents in order to catch Morning mass, and you go on these long, long hikes, and eventually find this, you know, mountain parish. And so, we're trying to retrace these steps. Me and my three friends, and one of the things I kept finding is as we were climbing these peaks, you know, up in the, the hill country, every time we got to the top of what felt like a peak, there was another one waiting for us. It was like endless peaks, endless summits. I would say this is an analogy for what true friendship looks like. Verso lauto, to the top, to the heights. That's what the, the phrase in Italian means, versolato, to the heights. We're always meant to be inspiring and challenging and encouraging each other to hit that next stride, to hit that next threshold. If friendships really run deep and aim high, then they're constantly pushing us towards greatness, pushing us towards our best. So this is absolutely true of all of my closest friends at this point in my life. But again, when I was younger, I didn't have much of a concept for this. So, you know, I I open up this chapter not only with this story about a pilgrimage and retracing the steps of Blessed blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, I also open up with a little quote from Of Mice and Men, which is, you know, John Steinbeck's classic novella. And it's about these two guys, uh, George Milton and Lenny Small. You know, they're two displaced ranch workers in California, they're having a hard time finding work in the Great Depression. They couldn't be more different from each other, right? George is small and quick, as he's described, dark of face. Lenny is a huge man, shapeless of face, with the intellect of a child. So they're not perfect, right? But but they're legitimate friends. And within the first few pages of this book, of My and Men, this ritual unfolds between the the two men. You can see clearly that George is trying to overcome his impatience, but he takes on this rhythmic and and reassuring tone with Lenny, and he says, and I quote, Guys like us that work on ranches are the loneliest guys in the world. they got no family. They don't belong no place. They come to ranch and work up a stake, and then they go into town and blow their stake, and the first thing you know, they're pounding their tail on some other ranch. They ain't got nothing to look ahead to. Lenny was delighted. That's it. That's it. Now tell how it is with us. George went on. With us, it ain't like that. We got a future. We got someone to talk to that gives a damn about us. We don't have to sit in no bar room blowing in our jack just because we got no place else to go. If them other guys gets in jail, they can rot for all anybody gives a damn, but not us. Lenny broke in. But not us. And why? Because... Because I got you to look after me and you got me to look after you and that's why he laughed delightedly. go on now George end quote. It's amazing you know in a world that's as isolated and broken as ours there's there's a lot of power in having a friend that genuinely says, well I got you to look after me and you got me to look after you. you know if there's anything we learn from this original outbreak of the coronavirus, it's that Relationships are essential for human flourishing. We cannot live alone. We cannot survive in isolation. It doesn't work. In fact, there's another character in Of Mice and Men, totally different part of the book, uh, who says this, a guy goes nuts if he ain't got anybody. Don't make any difference who the guy is, long as he's with you. You know, it's funny, because I guess we don't need John Steinbeck, right, to, to remind us what true friendship looks like. It's, it's built into our soul. One of my favorite quotes of all time is actually from C.S. Lewis in the Mere, in Mere Christianity. This is a, a book that many of you know. He wrote, actually, uh, as a series of radio broadcasts during World War II. Literally, as London was being bombed by Nazis, Lewis was on the radio, really keeping everybody from um, going the way of atheism. And this is an incredible book about the, the essential truths of Christianity. But at one point, he begins describing what true Christians look like, and he describes them as the new men, and I quote, Already the new men are dotted here and there all over the earth. Some, as I have admitted, are still hardly recognizable, but others can be recognized. Every now and then one meets them. Their very voices and faces are different from ours, stronger, quieter, happier, more radiant. They begin where most of us leave off. They are, I say, recognizable, but you must know what to look for. They will not be very like the idea of religious people, which you have formed from your general reading. They do not draw attention to themselves. You tend to think that you are being kind to them when they are really being kind to you. They love you more than other men do, but they need you less, End quote." That is so cool in my mind, like, what is better than, than Christians banding together in authentic friendship? Storming heaven. I mean, this is what all of the greatest saints have ever done. It's interesting in the last few years, even science is catching up to this great need that we all have for friendship. There's a study that came out recently that you know declares friendship critical for personal health, that it's actually necessary for overcoming adversity and also can increase your overall attractiveness. Well, that's interesting. You know, whether you look at it from the perspective of of scientific discoveries, or you know, theological truth, or just basic common sense, none of us can live long without friends. I think we can all agree with that. And it was Aristotle who first wrote about these different levels or degrees of friendship. The first, you know, he wrote about was friendship of utility. You know, it's basically born out of mutual benefit. These might be housemates, classmates, teammates, colleagues. This is just people that you share life with out of convenience or circumstance, right? Think about your neighbors, think about your coworkers, think about the people who sit next to you on the bus every day. There's nothing wrong with this, right? It's nothing bad about convenience or utility. It's where most friendship begins. But at a certain point, you want more. And so we begin to develop what Aristotle calls friendships of pleasure. I mean, these are people you just enjoy being around them. You know, They're people you laugh easily with. You can rest in their presence. Uh, Lewis in the Four Loves, C.S. Lewis, he says that friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth. You know, if you take genuine pleasure in another person, you're gonna delight in sharing that person with others and allowing your your circle of friends to grow. But like any pleasure in life, friendship's gotta mature. Otherwise, it'll implode. And so, Aristotle's highest form of friendship, as I dive into. This is, by the way, page 64, who are reading along and Let Beauty Speak. Aristotle talks about friendship of excellence, friendship of virtue. This is where we're in a, a common pursuit. We have a shared mission. We're, we're striving, again, to the heights with each other. And, you know, it doesn't take long to recognize the difference here, because people who are fighting for virtue, who are fighting for the highest good— are going to bring it out in us. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I all the way finally read through uh, a national bestseller called "The Boys in the Boat." It's by Daniel James Brown. It tells the story of nine working-class Americans and their historic journey to the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, and they go on to win a gold medal. It's really, really epic, and they're all young men from the University of Washington, and uh, the the guy who ends up building their boat and many, many other very successful and famous boats over the course of a few decades there, uh, is a guy named George Pecock. And at one point, he observes the most successful crews that he's ever seen, um, including this 1936 gold medal team. And this is what he says, and I quote, He detected the strength of the gossamer threads of affection that sometimes grew between a pair of young men or among a boatload of them, striving honestly to do their best. And he came to understand how those almost mystical bonds of trust and affection, if nurtured correctly, might lift a crew above the ordinary sphere, transport it to a place where nine boys somehow became one thing, a thing that could not quite be defined, a thing that was so in tune with the water and the earth and the sky above that as they rode, effort was replaced by ecstasy. It was a rare thing, a sacred thing, a thing devoutly to be hoped for. End quote. I gotta say, I've experienced very similar bonds of trust and affection as uh, Daniel James Brown writes. You know, one, one example was playing sports growing up, uh, different group projects I've had in school, countless friends who have helped me launch all kinds of missionary and entrepreneurial projects. None of these things would have been possible without virtuous friends. So I guess the question for all of us is, what kind of people do we have in our lives forming us, shaping us, turning us in to the men and women that we are called to be? In the book of Sirach, we read this, that a faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He that has found one has found a treasure. There is nothing so precious as a faithful friend, and no scales can measure his excellence. A faithful friend is an elixir of life, and those who fear the Lord will find him end quote. You know, it's so cool and easy to forget the power of faithful friends, right, whose lives are oriented towards heaven. In fact, by the grace of God, these will be the same souls that we stand shoulder to shoulder with for all of eternity. Here's the thing, you know, God, 2,000 years ago, took on human flesh. He looked at his disciples and he said, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. Surely we can do the same. Surely we can step out of ourselves long enough to recognize our own need for deep friendship and then our capacity for offering it to others. We're all capable of cultivating friendship that goes beyond convenience and pleasure. All of us need friendship that soars to the heights of virtue and taps into magnanimity, you know, our our capacity for greatness. Even St. Thomas Aquinas, he he describes friendliness as a virtue— I love this, right, that affability, friendliness, I, I would say, is one of those attributes shared by many of the greatest saints in heaven. Long before a saint is perfect, many of them are likable, right? They're loving, they're able to engage in deep friendship with others out of deep gratitude for the friendship that God has first shown them. So a good example of this is Blessed Alvaro del Portillo. He was the immediate successor to Saint Jose Maria Escrivá, right, as the head of Opus Dei. And he was described in his official declaration on heroic virtues, he was described as, quote, a man of profound goodness and affability, able to transmit peace and serenity to souls. That's a pretty cool summary, you know, of a man's life, that he was known for his his goodness and his friendliness, all of which was rooted in the Lord. This was surely one of the great gifts of blessed pure Giorgio One of my favorite stories about him is, these early Saturday morning hikes. He would bring all of his friends, and they would go to the top of these mountains, and by the time they got there, he would have a priest waiting for them to hear their confession or to to take them to Mass, to celebrate Mass. It's pretty cool, pretty tricky. G.K. Chesterton, you know, he would get lost in these just hilarious debates with atheists, and he would have them just roaring with laughter. By the time they ended these debates. I mean, Chesterton had annihilated his opponent, just the sheer logic of the man. Brilliant man. But maybe most importantly, he had just won him over early on. Chesterton was so funny and so likable, he could win anybody over, certainly your average atheist. But what I love is that ultimately, when we engage in deep and profound friendship, we we want eternal life for the other person. That's really what the greatest pursuit of excellence looks like, you know, it mirrors the friendship of the saints. There are these notes, these explanatory notes in the Old Roman Missal, where the Church describes that, you know, one of the great joys of eternal salvation will in fact be the, the ravishing society of all the other citizens of heaven. That's pretty cool, you know, it's not just the glory of God that we will uh, delight in, that we will revel in once we're in heaven, but also the, the holiness and, and the beauty of all the saints in our midst. I want to close with just these words from C.S. Lewis again. This is, again, from Mere Christianity. And this is sort of the, the last part of his description of the new men, you know, these saints, these Christians who were scattered across the world. Quote, They will usually seem to have a lot of time, and you will wonder where it comes from. When you have recognized one of them, you will recognize the next one much more easily. And I strongly suspect, but how should I know, that they recognize one another immediately and infallibly, across every barrier of color, sex, class, age, and even of creeds. In that way, to become holy is rather like joining a secret society. To put it at the very lowest must be great fun." End quote. Frankly, I can't imagine anything more fun, or even more practical, or even more revolutionary, in fact, than a secret society of aspiring saints, of friends who are committed to evangelizing the world together. This is really what the apostolate of friendship is all about, to to reach out to others, to first and foremost band together with, with the saints in heaven, right, who are constantly reminding us that our citizenship is in heaven, uh, but then going out in pursuit of souls around us by offering them one of the greatest and most precious gifts, this side of heaven, which is, of course, authentic friendship. You know, these three friends that I went on pilgrimage with um, to Europe many years ago, they, they remain some of the closest friends in my life. Um, in fact, it doesn't really make sense that we're friends, given that we live thousands, not thousands, but hundreds of miles apart. Only God, right, who is the ultimate good, the highest good, can unite us across these many miles of distance. Only God can inspire such a deep and meaningful brotherhood. You know, these men have taught me again and again what it means to be human, how to evangelize our culture. They, they witness to that. They are incredible examples of that. So I'll, I'll close with this final little paragraph here in Let Beauty Speak. This is on page 70. You know, how then do we take this principle, this principle of friendship, to the next level and cultivate friendship with God? What does it look like to be so rooted in Him that everything else follows suit, including our most important relationships? The answer brings us to our next principle in the art of being human, prayer. You see, friendship is ultimately something that we need, that we long for, that we're made for, to enjoy with God. That God is the one who dares to call us not slaves, but friends. And he's the one that every human heart longs for. So next week, we're going to dive into our fourth principle of prayer, which is cultivating this friendship with God. But I just want to remind you one last time, go to lovegoodacademy.com. It's your only way to get access to the book by subscribing. As a patron, you'll also be given immediate access to our incredible new formation platform called Love Good Academy. And right now, you can access the introduction to Let Beauty Speak, and pretty soon we'll have a new video coming out every Monday, a new class as part of this 10 or 11-week course And it's an amazing way, again, to dive into these principles with family, with friends, to, you know, get multiple copies of the book and to have a little uh, group that gets together on a weekly basis, Uh, but also to kind of dive into it deeply and personally, uh, to journal and to almost treat it like a retreat as well. Uh, So again, all these details can be found at lovegoodacademy.com. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. There's so many great principles to come. Yo, we're just getting started. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Y'all, they're amazing. Have a wonderful rest of your week and uh, we'll see you next time around. Peace.